People come to the San Francisco Bay Area for many reasons, a spectacular natural setting, a sophisticated lifestyle, and unique professional opportunities. Those seeking these qualities will find all that and more at Hacienda, where you can work, live, and grow. A Hacienda location means having the best of everything within easy reach. Whether it's world-class restaurants, theaters, and museums, the best learning institutions in the country, or some of the finest services available. That particularly applies to businesses wanting the best address to have easy access to needed resources, being among the industry leaders, and knowing that you are part of a region that leads the world in innovation. The result, an unbeatable combination that leads to success, and that is what you will find at Hacienda. Find out more by visiting Hacienda on the web at hacienda.org. Today's conversation is with Steve Glenn, the founder and CEO of Plant Prefab, the first prefabricated home factory in the nation dedicated to sustainable construction, materials, processes, and operations. Plant manufactures custom and single and multifamily homes that are high quality, healthy, and durable. With their patented building system, Plant delivers low-cost homes in half the time and with less waste than traditional site-based contractors. Plant models are fully customizable and available to individuals, developers, and architects. We talked to Steve about how his company is transforming the home and multifamily development business and how he sees the business progressing, not just in the United States, but possibly globally as well. These are not your typical prefab homes, and Steve is not your typical entrepreneur either. And our conversation will reveal how his perspectives have shaped plant and hopefully the process of building of the future. Welcome to the podcast, Steve. Steve, good morning. How are you? Uh, good. How are things? Where do we find you today? Uh, I'm actually at our show home in Santa Monica. Oh, excellent. Okay. So uh, in Southern California today. Very, very nice. Very nice. Um, so Steve, by way of introduction, tell us a little bit about you know, your organization, what you do there, and kind of you know, how, it, how it all started. Uh, sure. I'm the CEO of Plant Prefab. We design and build sustainable, high-quality, custom single and multifamily homes uh, uh, efficiently uh, with an off-site process uh, uh, using proprietary uh, software and hardware we've developed to do this. Uh, we target individuals who are doing their own homes as well as developers who are doing uh, multifamily and multi-unit developments. Uh, we're six years old. Uh, we're uh, venture funded. A uh, number of folks, including Obvious Ventures, Amazon, uh, Gerdau, uh, Ferguson, um, uh, Asai Kasai, uh, and others. Uh, we have two factories, one in Rialto and one in Ontario. We just broke ground last week, actually, for our third factory, which will be our first automated facility. That's in Tejon Ranch. Uh, about an hour and a half north of Los Angeles. Um, and um, uh, uh, business has been good. We've uh, been uh, fortunate. We're uh, growing very quickly, um, mostly focused on urban infill and um, second home communities, mountain communities, places where you have high land, high labor costs, and you um, are hiring architects to to design specific projects for specific properties. That's 
that's kind of our focus. Yeah. And Steve, what's your background? What what did you do seven years ago before this started six years ago? And kind of how did uh, you know your uh, your experience uh, come into play here as the as a CEO of this organization? Well, I I, I mean professionally, I, I, before this, I was in the tech industry, um, mostly at startups, um, but also some some bigger companies like Apple and and, and Disney. Uh, but my first love growing up was architecture. Um, you know, I had books on Frank Lloyd Wright and Legos. I, I wanted to be an architect. I did a design program and, and learned that I really had neither the talent nor temperament to be an architect, unfortunately. But I, I, um, I learned about um, uh, one developer uh, in particular, a guy named Jim Rouse, who became my first professional role model. He, he, um, I got two things from him. First, uh, he was the um, first social entrepreneur to whom I was ever exposed. And I was in school college in the mid to late 80s, uh, there were social entrepreneurs out there working, um, Yvonne Chouinard and Ray Anderson and, and others, but that term wasn't well known yet. Um, sure. But Rouse was the first guy to turn me on to this concept of companies that wed profit and purpose. And I felt like I wanted to try to add some value um, to society through my work. Um, but I was drawn to commerce as opposed to nonprofits and education and healthcare places where people are definitely very directly adding value uh, to society by nature of the work. I was joined to commerce and, and Rouse was the first business guy who showed me, oh, there are companies that can do that by, by virtue of how they, what, what and how they, they operate, what they're doing and how they operate. Second thing is Rouse um, helped me to appreciate that um, if you care about the quality of the built environment, there are people, specifically developers, who hire architects or not and let them do great things. So I said, all right, well, someday, hopefully I'm in a position to, to help architects do great things. But I, I, I co-founded a company at that point, which we later sold to Apple and I worked for Apple. And so that was my path, the tech path. Um, but after bringing a CEO into the last company, I'd started uh, taking some time off working for a nonprofit. I felt like it was time to get into real estate and, um, that's another part of the story, which I'm happy to share, but I sure too long. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, I, I think you and I sort of, uh, in, in interestingly share that, um, love for architecture. I too wanted to be an architect when I was young and I was, uh, you know, uh, also playing sports at the time. And my dad strongly discouraged me from <laughs> venturing into that area at that time, but here I am, you know, uh, years later, I'm sort of talking about architecture and you know writing and you know covering it, um, which is sort of interesting. So anyway, we've we've both kind of found our way back into the thing that we love, I suppose, right? Um, so tell us a little bit about kind of um, you know you mentioned your proprietary software, you mentioned your you know facilities. You're obviously based in California, you know West Coast. Um, but what's what's your kind of you know grander vision with this? You know, and where is the world? heading when it comes to, you know, manufacturing places where we live in, uh, you know, factories? Um, well, so we, we believe the, the um, market for what we're doing is, 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 is national in scope and, 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 and frankly, even international. Um, and, you know, specifically, we're, we're targeting a market that hitherto has not so much been the domain of, of prefabrication, custom architecture. Yeah, it's yeah, mostly yeah. an urban infill market, right? Because lot sizes can vary neighborhood to neighborhood, zoning can vary neighborhood to neighborhood, 
view and access and design requirements vary. So when you're building and sitting, this applies to an individual doing a house in Santa Monica or, or Palo Alto or Somerville, as much as it does to a developer doing a large uh, condo or apartment project in Midtown Manhattan or South of Market in San Francisco or downtown LA, you're hiring an architect to figure out what you can build in that specific property. In other words, there aren't just standard iPhone solutions that just work everywhere in cities. And so um, uh, that's really been the domain of general contractors and kind of two levels, like the national guys focus on projects 100 units or above, and the smaller mom and pop or regional folks focus on the smaller projects. Um, we, we, we're, we're focused on those smaller projects, small multifamily, single family. Um, we think there's a big opportunity here to make it a little bit more efficient from a time and, and cost perspective to definitely make it more reliable, um, uh, to make it more sustainable. That's our focus. Um, so you'll see us building more factories to serve a national audience. Um, that was the first part of your question. Now, perspective on the second part. Um, uh, Prefab has been in the U.S. for 100 plus years. Sears started as a kit manufacturer for, sure. for homes. Um, and they're big companies, public companies like Capco and Skyline and Champion, which is uh, owned by um, uh, uh uh, Buffett, um, who do billions of dollars worth of business uh, doing um, prefab housing. Now, they're mostly mobile homes. Um, so that's a segment of the housing market. Um, I think what's new is we're seeing prefab address more and more segments that have not been the domain of prefab in this country. Right, so, right. Uh, multifamily, uh, custom single family, accessory dwelling units, uh, um, and the reason I think this is happening is that we're experiencing here what we've seen um, or what other parts of the world have experienced, frankly, for decades, um, uh, namely um, really high um, land costs, labor costs, material costs, maybe a shorter building season. Um, so Japan, Scandinavia, Europe, they've had those conditions for decades and, and indeed um, or maybe as a result, they are leaders in prefab. Japan, the biggest home builders, they're equivalent of KB Home, Winar, Pulte, Centex, companies like Asai, Kasai, or Asai Home, sorry, um, uh, Sekasui, all do prefab, 100%. Um, uh, Scandinavia, 70% of the um, housing there is done offsite. Those guys have had to innovate because of, of costs. Um, we, post-downturn, had an unprecedented in the US. We had an unprecedented increase in cost for land, labor, materials, even permit fees. And so, and oh, by the way, during the downturn, which was the worst since the Great Depression, there was this um, increasing, there was, of course, not as much production. And so the the um, disparity between demand and supply, which which was um, occurring before the downturn, only increased post-downturn and only accelerated with the, the right. economy That's and right. interest rates. So now there's um, a much greater demand for innovation. And oh, by the way, the venture community 
has kind of woken up to the trillion dollar opportunity here. And so there's money coming for people like us and others to pick different segments and hopefully do some good things. Yeah. And then the sort of timeline of your organization, you know, what would be some of the, you know, major projects and maybe some big milestones that you guys have accomplished over these last six years? Well, we started the company. Um, we opened a factory. We opened a second factory. We broke ground on a third factory. Um, we substantially grew our business in terms of number of units shipped, revenue, um, uh, achieved a, a, a great gross margin, um, <clears throat> uh, uh, built a fantastic team uh, with uh, with very high retention, um, uh, uh, uh introduced uh, um, uh, pledge to be carbon neutral and we've achieved it the last two years um, uh, introduced a package of sustainability and 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 health strategies for everything we build that 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 certainly are among the better ones in the industry um, uh, those are some of the things I think we've accomplished yeah, 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 and now launching into into a third factory. So obviously a big a big deal for you for you guys for this year. As you um, you you've been in this business for for a while. Um, I think for those of uh, you know those of our listeners who may not be as you know familiar with some of the you know specifics about you know how this is done. I think it would be a you know great idea to sort of you know give a little bit of a primer in terms of sort of modules versus panels, right? And kind of how the two are distinguished, uh, just so we understand sort of what Plant does, and sort of how that makes you guys different, if that makes sense. Sure, um, uh, there are two major building systems in in prefab modules and panels. Um, both have certain advantages and disadvantages. There's a third system that, that a few companies are doing. It's not yet major, maybe someday it will be, and that's 3D printing. Um, but the, 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 the two big systems are, are, are modules and panels. Um, modules are great you, um, because you can build in an offsite all weather facility um, in parallel to your site work, right? Normally a traditional site-based process, very linear, subject to weather and schedule delays from subs. Um, uh, uh, and, and, and as I said, everything has to happen in a very linear fashion. Um, <clears throat> when you're building off-site, things can happen in parallel. So that's one of the reasons why you, you can save a lot of time. And, and factories like us tend to employ mostly full-time folks, so um, much more dependable than, than subs. That's also an advantage. Um, sometimes you can take advantage of lower labor rates. Um, it's not always the case, but we have many projects in um, areas uh, like the west side of, of, of uh, Los Angeles, Malibu, Silicon Valley, Napa, Sonoma, where labor rates are very high, Lake Tahoe, um, relative to where we build, which is in Inland Empire um, uh, uh, near San Bernardino. We pay great living wages, but it's just much less than what people get paid in, in, in Malibu for work. Um, cost of living is much more there. So sometimes there can be some cost savings that way. Um, the downside of modules are they're, um, they're expensive to ship, um, really expensive, specialized equipment and install big cranes. And um, structurally, there, can, there is a lot of redundant um, uh, structure. Um, so the multifamily guys in particular have a hard time with them at times because 
Um, they're looking to max out number of units, max out floor space, max out height. And that can be more challenging, of course, with redundant structures. So the multifamily guys in particular often use panels, much less redundant structures. So easy to solve your design problems in many cases. And they ship flat, and which is a huge shipping advantage. They don't require specialty uh, shipping uh, kinds of capabilities. Um, the downside with at least the leading panel system, it's a SIP, structural insulated panel. So you save on um, um, uh, framing and insulation, but you still have to do electrical plumbing, cladding, drywall paint, uh, if it's sure. kitchen or bath, your millwork, your tiles, your appliances. So now all that work that I just kind of quickly went over shifts back on site. But remember, we plant prefab are targeting areas where your labor rates are, are, are the highest. So we're trying to avoid that. So we designed and patented, it's actually an issued patent, a new kind of panel. It comes with infrastructure, comes with finished material. Uh, we're building it um, currently with, with um, uh, 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 limited automation. We've got CNC equipment that cuts lumber, which is great. Um, in this new facility that we broke ground uh, uh, for last week, the hub, um, we'll be building it with an extremely high level of automation, which will allow us to build much faster, lower cost, even higher quality. And we combine those panels into specialized modules to cover uh, 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 the parts of the home that have the more expensive labor, kitchens, baths, utility cores. So now we have a system, hybrid system, that gives us greater um, uh, 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 cost efficiency, uh, transportation efficiency and flexibility, and design flexibility. So we introduced that uh, system a couple years ago, and, and it's been a big, big success for us. Um, uh, just enabled us to do projects. I mean, we've got a, our biggest project is in Lake Tahoe, 32 units. And, and one of the reasons that the, the developer went with us is our shipping costs were just cheaper than, than all mod solutions or factories from all mod solutions because of how we build with hybrid solution. Um, and we, got a, we have a project, a 31 unit project, hospitality project actually, in Colorado for the same reason. It just would be uneconomic if it were all mods. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's been really important for us. Yeah, and what does this do to your capacity? You you mentioned this a little bit, and you know you 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 said that it expands your ability to, um, you know, really you know produce a bigger number of you know units or or these panels. Um, what was your capacity prior to launching the hub, and what will it be once that is completed? So between the two factories we have now in Rialto and Ontario, we can do depending upon the design, twenty five could even be 50 units a year. Again, depends on the size. Uh, we've got a, a total of, of, of about 82,000 square feet. In the new facility, which is 270,000 square feet, um, we'll be able to produce 800 units a year. Wow. Um, so it's just a step change uh, because yeah. again, it's, it's, it's highly automated. Um, yeah. So um, just very different production process. How do you take into account the uh, either you know multifamily or kind of multi-unit developments? Um, do, do you still consider a unit kind of being one of the 
apartments, hotel rooms, yes. whatever they are. Yes. We, um, we, so we that, that, that's, that's a unit, right. essentially. Yes. Right? Uh, a multifamily project is not a unit. It's the number. Yes, units. it's the number yes. of units. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Steve, run us through kind of like how the typical project would, uh, you know, work. You know, what what would be kind of the you know process that you would engage with either a developer or architect uh, or both? Uh, how how does that work? Well, uh, important to differentiate. We, we've got two tracks, and I, I really should have mentioned this earlier because it's a very important point of differentiation between us and certainly a number of other folks out there. Um, we, we do have a design studio. It's called the Plant Design Studio. Um, and in fact, we've worked with a number of world-class architects to create standard homes that, that people can configure like cars. We actually introduced the first marketplace for architecture uh, at plantprefab.com, where you can you go to living homes and you can select these homes and configure them with finishes and fixtures and appliances, smart home tech that you pick, and you can move through it in 3D, which is super cool. Um, so we make the design process more efficient. So that's one track, and we're your design firm. However, most of what we're doing are with third-party architects, and that's an important part of our model, the ability to work with anyone. And so um, uh, if you um, uh, come in that way, you're working with architects who are doing design the way that they would work with you. However, we help train them how to design for a system. We have design guidelines they can download. We actually have a software. Um, uh, well, we, we, we've got some technology that we're going to soon release that will help them with that process. Um, so there are two different tracks. And if we're working with you on the design and you're picking a standard home, we're just figuring out finishes and fixtures for that home. And that's a much quicker process. We do also do custom, in which case it's the same process you'd work with with any architect, schematic design, design development, permitting, construction documents. Um, uh, so that's how we work with you varies based on on where you're at. And and on the on the um uh on the um third-party architect side, we like to work with you at a schematic level, um, uh, but we've worked with people as late as after engineered docs. I mean, they're into construction documents. There's more redo that has to be done, um, rework, I should say, including re-engineering. So that's not an ideal time to come to us, but we're happy to look at designs that were designed for site built and mark them up to help them help you understand, well, here's how we could do it with our system. Yeah. And the interesting thing about all of this, we should probably highlight because you, you and I talked about this a couple of days ago is that this is part of what sort of differ, uh, what differentiates you guys right this ability to kind of work up and down the uh, uh, sort of you know scale of the project and timing of, timing of the project you're not sort of telling the people you're working with you can only engage with us at this point in time or you can only work with us in this particular way. Um, you guys are kind of offering kind of a broad ability sort of to, you know, plug in with plant, if you will, whenever whenever it makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. There some folks out there do their own design and, and construction. Some only do standards. They don't modify. Uh, you know, our whole focus, as I've said, is custom. And as part of that, we can work with any architect. Um, and that's a, you know, we, we some, some companies 
are trying to disintermediate architects. They, they, as I said, they want to do the design and, and, and they've got their own system. We actually feel that the tens of thousands of architects who designed for the Los Altos's and, and Oakland's and Santa Monica's and West Hollywood's and, we think they're great because they, in Sacramento's and, and San Diego's, they understand local vernacular materials and permitting processes. We want to empower them. We, we, we want to give them and their clients a more efficient, more reliable, more sustainable solution. And, um, uh, and, and we think that's um, uh, by so doing, we can get, we can help make better design, more sustainable design, healthier design, more ubiquitous, which is our is which is our mission: build a better world by design. Yeah. So you mentioned a little bit uh, earlier on that you guys were able to achieve uh, nice gross margins. That implies that you know the business has been growing nicely, and you know demand is there. Uh, tell us about that. You know how how has that surprised you? Um, has that been kind of on par what you expected? And maybe, you know, a little bit of insight in terms of, you know, how, how the market is evolving. Well, I, I, let, let's see. We, we, are, are you asking specifically, am I surprised by our gross margin? Am I surprised by the business? I mean, we... we Just the growth of the business and yeah. sort of interest for, for what you guys are doing in general. Well, I mean, yes and no. Mostly no. Like we, we went into this believing there's a real business opportunity here. Sure. Every, um, every, every entrepreneur does, I, I, right, I suppose, right? Right. Um, uh, uh, so I'm not surprised we were right there. Um, um, we we have a great team. I'm not surprised that we're executing. And by the way, we have lots of challenges and challenges. Scaling is hard. So we will continue sure. challenges. Um, I, I think the biggest surprise is what's happened over the last couple of years. I mean, we, we had no, of course, knowledge that there would be COVID and no insight into what would happen um, once that happened to the world. Um, we have been um, incredibly um, uh, fortunate, which could change at any second. I do not take this for granted that our business has been very good. I mean, we, um, uh, 2020 was um our best year at that point. Um, yeah. 2021 was a significantly better year. So, you know, we, we just, every year is getting better and better, but I'm highlighting during the last two years of COVID, we have had continued to have um, uh, consistently better years in terms of revenue and margin and, um, you know, the things we care about. Um, uh, but I don't take that for granted. Um Right. I mean, um, sure. some businesses have been really negatively impacted. Fortunately, housing is good and we've been able to benefit. And, and um, I, I hope that will continue to be the case. Yeah. Were, were you considered an essential business? So you were able to continue throughout the pandemic? We were. Yeah. Great. Yeah, that helped, I'm sure. Um, and then geographically, you know, um, are, are, are you primarily sort of doing stuff, you know, still on the West Coast? I know it's, an, it's a national opportunity, obviously, but are, are you, you know, outside sort of the West Coast, where, where are you seeing um, some of this growth coming from? Uh, well, two different questions. Um, I mean, we, we have inquiries all over the country. Um, uh, 
bigger cities tend to be where we get more inquiries. Um, uh, um, with the exception of New York City, we actually do get, but not not as much from New York City. But you know, East goes from Boston to to Miami, and you know, Portland down to San Diego, um, and then chunks of places in between. Um, we are currently doing California and this project in Colorado. Actually, sorry, no, we have a we have a project um, in Montana now too. Um, so starting to do other states um and we think that ramps up when we open the hub next year yeah are you hoping to grow the business more into the multifamily side is that sort of part of the plan or just kind of see how the market evolves a majority of our, our of our backlogs so signed contracts are multifamily and multi oh interesting and multi okay right true developments yeah, yeah. Yeah, great. So, um, if I can sort of switch gears here, you know, a little bit, you talked um, a little bit about sort of the last couple of years and how it's impacted, you know, everything in life. I mean, as a as an entrepreneur and as a leader of your organization, um, you know, outside of sort of what you do specifically, if, you know, on a you know technical aspect of of what you do, but just being a kind of a you know leader, um, lessons learned. How how has that evolved for you over the last you know eighteen twenty four months or so? Um, well, you know, I, I have mostly been an entrepreneur. Um, I've had some base hits. Um, I've had some failures. Um, and what you learn from that is, um, uh, you know, 100-yard stare. Um, uh, and this too shall pass. Um, so uh, I, 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 I've seen things get really bad. Um, and that passes. Um, and I've seen experience things really good and that passes. So, um, uh, you know, the important thing is to have perspective and not get too rattled by the inevitable slings and arrows and don't get too euphoric and, and, um, and, 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 and cocky um, when, 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 it, when things seem to be going really, really well. Um, I have never built a business to try to sell it. And I don't, I don't know that that's a good thing. Maybe it's even a bad thing. Um, I've just tried to build businesses that I believe are real businesses that should exist so my focus has always been like let's 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 kind of step through this and try to get to a um, a successful which which in the context of business, well, if you're doing a, a mission driven business, there are two parts: like are we are we executing on our purpose, and are we profitable? Because yeah. profit ultimately allows a business to sustain itself and, you know, maybe even grow, hopefully grow. But without that, you know, you're, you're nonprofit, literally, um, which is a different trip. Um, so, um, you know, that's what we're focused on here. And we're, we're not there yet, um, though, uh, you know, I don't think it's too far away. Um, so, um, but as I alluded to earlier, you know, as you, as you scale anything, new problems, new challenges emerge. And so um, just try to be focused on um, uh, making sure everybody's rowing in the right order and, 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 and giving them perspective, both 
you know, when things are great, when things are not so great, so that we can ultimately get to a place where um, it is a bit easier. And it's always a bit easier when you're profitable. Um, so. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's a certainty. Um, and I know it's difficult to sort of foresee some of the hurdles, um, but I'm curious, you know, how has a supply chain issue uh, chain issue rather impacted you guys, and do you foresee um, other kind of things that might sort of put some hurdles in front of you guys over the next you know five years or so? Um, we big challenges for us, like everybody in construction. I mean, lumber prices and, and um, appliances and availability of, of materials um, that's had a non-trivial impact on our business revenue, gross margins, client satisfaction because of delays. Um, uh, so, and we have no magic formula. I mean, prefab doesn't give you any better way of dealing with that. Um, uh, 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 we've, uh, it's been a challenge for, for, as I said, all of us in construction. Um, it seems like there's been some a um, little bit of stabilization in some areas, but it's 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 still an ongoing issue. Yeah, is it easy for you to find workforce? Is that a difficult thing? Um, are are you dealing with some of these? You know, uh, you know the great reassessment or the great resignation, as people you know you know term it. Um, has that been in? Has that had an impact on you know plant? Um, always an issue to find good people. Um, uh, you know, during the downturn, um, 2008, 2012, lots of people left construction and um, still the market has not recovered, which is to say there isn't the level of employment in the construction market that there was um, at the beginning of that downturn in 2008. So finding good people who work in construction is non-trivial. Um, our retention rate is extraordinarily high vis-a-vis um, -vis the industry. We know because um, I forget the name, but we use this, this industry benchmark that's pretty well known. Um, uh, and I think it is because we offer um, a great value proposition to people who, who uh, work for us. Um, first, we're the same place every day with set hours, right? That's not the case most many people who work in construction, you're on a project basis, and or you're 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 traveling to different project sites, so you never know how far that's going to be or where or when. Um, two, we pay a great living wage. We have full health, um, dental, eye care insurance. Uh, we offer stock. Everyone who works for us, custodians um, through. Um, office staff, everybody um, earns stock options. Um, uh, we, we pay, um, we, we, we are, um, our, our first value is uh, focused on safety, safety first. So I think we, we um, are very um, attuned to key issues for people who work in construction. Work sure. So I think those are some of the reasons why we've had an easier time than 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 some, but it's still hard to find good people. Yeah, on um, on kind of you know potential future projects, would you ever envision plant you know manufacturing in you know Mexico across the border or somewhere where 
you know, you can even do it for a, for a lower cost. Um, is that is that something that you know this industry would you know consider? Um, sure, we, we we would consider it. I mean, probably more because we're actually doing construction in those markets as opposed to just shipping back to the U.S. Because we we um, we do believe what we're doing has international. Um, uh, there are international opportunities, so um, I, I would I would think that's more why we do it as opposed to just trying to find a cheaper place to build. Yeah, and makes sense to the U.S. Yeah. So, Steve, tell us uh, where can people find out more about Plant, um, and if they would like to reach out to you guys, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, PlantPrefab.com. Um, we've got a um, a contact form there. Um, you can also email us at info at PlantPrefab.com. Um, we're happy to look at plans. Um, you know, if you're, if, if, if you thought, you know, maybe there's an opportunity to go prefab, we'll just take a look and, you know, give you our input. Um, and, um, um, we, um, we do have, um, tours of our factories, um, uh, for people who are serious about projects, we've got a show home, um, in Santa Monica. Um, you can find out information about all that, uh, online. Great. Thank you, Steve. Um, enjoyed learning more about you guys and uh, stay safe and uh, look forward to hearing uh, how things evolve over the next few years. Uh, thank you very much. Um, total honor to, to, to be here with you. Thank you for listening to the Real Perspectives podcast. Stories like these help us shape our understanding of the industry, and we appreciate you taking the time to listen to it. Please follow us on any app where you get your podcasts and tell your colleagues about us. Thank you in helping us spread the word about our work and the industry that is changing the face of business.